Hey, this is Kat Kahn from Knoxville, Tennessee. And Tanya Rice from Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are grateful you've joined us. And we cannot wait to share with you the musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learn, laugh, and enjoy. And we hope you will share with us any of your comments or questions. Without further ado, this is Two Pittas on a Pod. Hey, Tanya. Hey, Kat. How's life? (laughs) It's good and sweaty. Good and sweaty. You just look all aglow. Oh, thank you. My mother said women don't sweat, they glisten. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Uh, This woman who works in a hot studio, we sweat. We sweat. We sweat. So I'm pretty excited, I guess, about talking about body image. It is something that has plagued me my whole life. Body image and I go way back. And I mean, way, way, way back. Mm -hmm. I love how you say, I'm pretty excited, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Are you or are you not? (laughs) Well, it always bubbles up. I mean, I, you know, I write a whole lot about body image. And so it always seems to be something that no matter how happy I am in my life, there's always that little undercurrent, you know, of, you know, the body image issues. Because I don't remember a time when I didn't worry about my body. And I, when I was thinking about that, I looked on Psychology Today online. I love that magazine to see if they had anywhere listed an age when kids may start worrying about body image. You know what they said? Three years old. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Thoughts and opinions about our body can start forming as early as three years of age. And it's really a direct relationship to the parents' relationship with their own bodies. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Not surprising. Mm-hmm. Not was, surprising at all. The age surprised me a lot. I mean, like I said, I don't remember a time when I wasn't told to suck your stomach in, hold your hold your belly in, suck your gut in. I hate hate when it was called a gut because that just sounded like an ugly word. But you know, it just it the age three did surprise me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, in terms of memory, sure. But I think in terms of you're already seeing it as a toddler, you know, all around you. And maybe it's not, you know, conversation between you and your toddler friends, but it's all in the things that you're watching and the cartoons and the way the cartoons are developed. And, you know, it's even though cartoons have tried to become more, we'll say, politically correct when it comes to all stereotyping of all kinds, but now instead, it's like all of the characters are plump little characters. And that's, you know, also it's still creating this image, right? Like it's it's already imprinted in our brains so early. Uh-huh. Well, I don't I don't think that I ha- ever had a conversation about it that early, but I am 100 percent sure by the age of eight, that was part of our conversation on the playground was who was dressed better, who looked better, whose hair was better. You know, I mean, you were already in competition in second grade. Well, and how many people have set of scales and they weigh themselves so much and they obsess about what they weigh. So what does that teach your two or three-year-old that comes prancing in? They want to weigh themselves too. Yeah, well, and that was the thing is, is I know I remember my parents when they went on their first diet. You know what I mean? Like, And so that was the topic of conversation because why are mom and dad only eating grapefruits? You know, like it was, you know, the, the silly, stupid things or, oh, we have to, you know, have a third of a cup 
cup of apple cider vinegar in order to shrink our stomachs. Like, I mean, it was the language that was being spoken in the home. I forgot about the grapefruit diet. You know, I wrote that paper called The Red Dress about body image, and I put down all the different diets I'd been on. I forgot about the cabbage soup diet, and I forgot about the grapefruit diet. Did those two. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I look back at pictures of myself throughout my life. I was just a normal sized person. You know, I do have broader shoulders. I have just a bigger framed person. I mean, my rib cage is wider than your rib cage. I just have a bigger structure, but I never was abnormal. I just was a normal weight and a normal size. I didn't stand out, but I sure thought I did. Oh yeah. It's amazing how your mind plays tricks on you. And and we know this to be true when we, you know, we'll come to the part where we talk about in general, just the, you know, body dysmorphia that people have. And you know, I feel like it's important for us to define dysmorphia because it is such a big topic right now. Mm-hmm. But in general, the form, the word dysmorphia in its clinical sense means that we feel like whatever our body is, isn't the right body or that we don't see it the way other people see it. So we have this disconnect, like where other people people will come up to us and be like, Oh, cat, you look so lovely today. And we're like, Oh, actually, this is my, you know, I haven't done my hair. I haven't, you know, worked out today. I haven't put on my makeup or anything like we're we're already, you know, denigrating what they've said to us without, you know, taking a look at Oh, you know what, I, I do look really good for a 40 50 year old somebody who, you know, who still can flip ourselves upside down and do yoga, whereas, you know, half the population isn't even considering standing on their head or or, you know, flipping themselves upside down or doing arm balances of any kind. So, I mean, yeah, kudos to us. But at the same time, it's a battle. Like, it's a constant battle. And especially in the yoga world where you're looking at, you know, all of the stuff that's being put out on social media and these, like, perfect bodies. And, you know, all of a sudden, those of us who are really in a good place and really should be recognizing that we're in a good place can't even see that because of all of the, you know, social media that colors us. You know, we blame social media and I blame it a lot because no one looks like they really do on social media much because the filters and everything. But we blame social media. We blame magazines. We blame the fashion industry. And I think all of them are to blame. But look back throughout time at the women wearing corsets. They had to have the tiny, tiny waist. They couldn't even breathe ribs taken out to make their waist smaller. I mean, it's just ingrained in us. And it's just so sad that we measure our value and our worth by the reflection on the, in the mirror. You know, that heartbreaking heartbreaking and and yeah that's you know one of the things that we'll come to when we get to the other side and what are the things that we can do to sort of combat these feelings but in truth it really is about what's inside and really getting in touch with what's inside because any time that we're stuck in this place that we feel like what's on the outside is going to make us happy it's never going to get us there and even if we do get to that goal weight then something else is going to be wrong if all we're focusing is on the body image on the outside as opposed to really, really getting in touch with what are our amazing qualities on the inside. Right. Now, but going back to children also, you know, we want to instill that in them that they're beautiful on the inside. The outside's a nice, pretty shell, but that's not who they are. And, you know, but, you know, I look back 
my life. I, I don't remember when my mother, and my mother's 81 right now, I don't remember when she, a time when she was not on some diet. Both of my grandmothers were always on a diet. My father's mother carried a little notebook in her purse, and it was like a little bitty tiny spiral notebook, and had a rubber band around it because she would write down every single thing she ate. Now, it was had a rubber band around it because also when she saw really good recipes in magazines, rip them out <laughs> and fold them up and put them in her food diary. But she had a food diary before any such thing as a food diary, you know. But when you see someone on a diet all the time, especially as a child, you learn that that's what you have to do to be accepted. You learn that you have to be something. You have to look a certain way to be loved and to be accepted. You know, and body image is just the mental image we have of our bodies and how we believe our bodies are. Some of us have pretty screwed up, and I'm one of them, pretty screwed up mental images of what my body's like. That we have a screwed up image of what we think our body needs to look like mm -hmm. instead of coming from a place of self-acceptance which whoa is really tricky yeah. and it's harder it's harder to to come by than it sounds so easy oh well just accept yourself you know yeah, just tell yourself you love yourself <laughs> it sounds so easy but it's so friggin not it's, yeah. And, and like you're talking about in general, you know, when we address going all the way back to childhood, the languages that we hear, whether it's because we're teased by other people, or it's something that our older siblings said, or our parents said, you, you need to lose some weight, you need to watch what you're eating, or, you know, the, the words that we're hearing early on, or even, you know, simple things like, I'm going to pack you a lunch so that you don't eat the crap food that's at school, although now some of the school food is, you know, pretty fantastic depending on where you're at. But, you know, in general, the amount of processed foods we're eating, like if my parents had in introduced to me whole food eating early on, my life would have probably been greatly impacted. But I grew up eating pasta three, four times a week. I grew up eating food out of a box. If nobody was home, make yourself some mac and cheese, eat a bowl of cereal or two bowls, whatever it turned out to be. Like we were eating out of boxes we were eating out of the microwave a lot and you know but we were also entering into you know a world that was very different from what our parents lived and now we had parents both working and you know that was that was the latchkey mentality so our diets changed our body images changed and now 30 years later we're suffering the consequences and it, it's an uphill battle to change the language that we've been speaking for 40 years to ourselves. Doesn't it sometimes make you sad for the beautiful girl you were then that beat herself up and thought she had to be thinner to be loved? Oh, yeah. How many times have you said, well, if I just lose 15 pounds, I bet they'll pay attention to me. You know, I have written so many papers on just that topic. And, you know, I, I mentioned that I wrote a, the personal essay about body image. I remember when I wore the dress that I wrote about how when I had that dress on, I felt like if I could only lose like two more pounds, I'd be perfect. And that was the first time I'd ever thought I only needed to lose two more pounds. I was I was way too thin at that point. I, it was not a pretty thin. But but even then, as thin as I'd gotten, I still thought if I could just lose two more, I'd be perfect. You know, so when you struggle with body image, you can't you can't ever accept yourself until you learn how to deal with why you feel that way. 
yeah, it's it's not like you suggest what the scales reflecting. And, you know, I know you have quotes and things to share later about that, but it's really about whether or not you could actually find complete self-acceptance without weighing yourself ever. Oh, and I don't weigh myself now. The doctors get annoyed me, with me. When I go to the doctor, I turn backwards on the scales because I don't want to know what the number is. It doesn't define who I am. And if I see it, then I'll start getting upset. I mean, you and I both are muscular people. You know, we're going to weigh more than someone that doesn't work out. And I just don't want to see it. And I just, I'm, I'm kind of past that obsession with the scale. Can't do it anymore. You know, I have to say one thing that really did help me get on a better track with my own body image was when I started teaching fitness in Hawaii because I really thought it was just me. I lived in Hawaii, you know, around 1990 and I lived there for three years and that's when I started teaching fitness and got certified in 87 and taught there until 90. And I was so shocked at all these gorgeous, beautiful people that came to the gym because they were too fat. And I was like, you're too fat? Well, then I must really be fat because <laughs> you're really time for me that I was like, oh my gosh, is this like a thing? Because I really thought it was just me. And everyone else felt great about themselves because no one talked about it. They didn't talk about body image then. And, you know, it really caused me to stop and see what I was doing to my body. Now, that said, it didn't make me stop the roller coaster dieting. I mean, Hawaii was the time of fast dieting and dexatram for me. <laughs> you know? But it really did turn my world around and it helped me become more of a positive body image advocate, you know, and, you know, most people get passionate about things that they have been through or that they're still trying to fix about themselves, you know? Yeah. I just think to myself, you know, all the patterns that we've been through and if there was ever a place where you could go back and like sort of rewrite the story, you know what I mean? Like I think to myself, you know, the greatest trauma, you know, that I recall where I gained a substantial amount of weight, you know, it was relationship trauma. It was, you know, a place of feeling not worthy, not adequate. Why didn't they love me enough? You know, why did why did we not make it? And even though I wasn't heavy at the time, that was the comfort that I went to. And I put on weight like it was this self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Like, well, they must not have liked me because I was fat. So I just got fatter, like as yeah. if, but that was the <laughs> mind game that I played with myself. And it is really interesting when you go back and look at it from a standpoint of trauma. And, you know, as we talk about all the energy work that we've talked about, like if there's a way to go back and just, you know, Mr. Clean Magic Eraser, that stuff out of you so that you don't see that anymore. How different would your life now? But we wouldn't be the people we are now either without those experience. You know, thank you. Perfect. No one would like us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, there is that. No, I get it. I I mean, from a standpoint of, you know, the language that we continually tell ourselves and, and you know, how do we go back and fix the inner child from back then so that that language isn't the same thing, that we don't chastise ourselves the same way. Exactly. You know, it's funny, you know, my sister Lauren, we've interviewed her on here, but, you know, we grew up in the same house. And one year we both lived with my grandparents because my grandfather had a heart attack. And there were no post-it notes really then because we were both 
we were both, I guess, freshmen in college. I mean, we were pretty young. And anyway, every morning when we woke up, my grandmother had gotten little pieces of paper written on them. No diet in the world will help you lose weight until you do one thing, dot, 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 control your appetite. And then she had it stuck on the mirror right in front of where we each would brush our teeth in the morning. And every single night she would do this. Well, it just crushed me because I was pretty slim then. But Lauren, because she's so much healthier when it comes to body image than I am, she would just laugh. She'd go, oh my gosh, I'm making brownies today. And she would laugh and wad it up and throw it. And I would just be crushed. I was like, oh my gosh, grandmama thinks I'm fat. Interesting to me how the two of us raised in the same house took it differently. You know, and if they, you know, ever told her to hold her stomach in, she'd stick her stomach out as fat as fast as she could and start. Whereas me, I would just start crying. You know, so it, it is interesting how different people react to different things. and then how how do you know as a parent you know sometimes you say something in it now that was not an innocent thing my grandmother said but you know it's interesting to me though how sometimes we can just say something like with my daughter I always told her she was beautiful she was perfect just the way she she didn't need to change anything I never talked about weight I always just tried to teach her about inner beauty but what I taught her is that I mean that for you but I don't mean it for me because I'm gonna still only eat salads with three ounces that I weighed of grilled chicken on them with just vinegar because I'm not going to put oil in it. And I was really slim when she was in high school. And so what I taught her is that I'm a big fat liar, you know, because I said one thing to her, but I didn't live by my words. Yeah, do as I say and not as I do. And the fact of the matter is, is that most of the time our children are actually learning by the example. They're not learning by the words we say. Exactly. So if I could ever undo something that I think would make her life better, that's something I would undo. You know, I would compliment my own body all the time, you know, and talk about how strong my arms are and how I can't believe as you said, now, you know, how to do 150 push-ups, look how strong I am, instead of beating up the little tiny um, things and being preoccupied, you know, being nice to my body instead of being preoccupied with how my body's weight is or how the shape of my body is or how I perceive that I appear to other people or you know, have shame and anxiety, just being self-conscious about everything. I'm still, I'll, I'll always be self-conscious about my stuff. I gain weight, I gain weight in my belly, you know, and in their legs or their butt or their boobs or whatever, I gain in my stomach. And so I'm always self-conscious about my stomach. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that, you know, when we see social media, I, I don't notice what someone's hair looks like, what their face looks like. I notice how small or how flat their stomach is, you know. And, you know, other people, like Lauren doesn't, because Lauren's got a very slim waistline, but she obsesses and worries about, legs you know so it is it is funny it is interesting it is completely interesting because you know we all get stuck on something like right and maybe this is a great time to segue into some of those dysmorphias that people can have you know whether it is trauma-based dysmorphia whether it is an eating disorder which are generally always tied to a body dysmorphia of some kind, like you honestly don't believe that you are thin enough. And so you will continue to be anorexic or bulimic and purge because you are listening to this language in your mind that says you are something that you're not, right? But then also there's some dysmorphia that comes from, you know, some of the experiences you and I have had with our cancer or 
chemo where we lose, where you lost your hair or um, having a mastectomy and going through that body image of, okay, well now what will I look like? What will I feel like? How will my body work? Mm -hmm. I mean, in general, you also think about injuries that we have and working in the sports world like we work in. We know people who have hurt their back or hurt their hips, hurt their knees and their practice changes, their body image changes because now they're like, okay, my body doesn't work the way it used to. It fails me now, Mm -hmm. right? With that, sometimes comes weight gain. Sometimes it comes, you know, muscular atrophy or, you know, other things that are secondary to those injuries. Mm -hmm. But then also is the common one, good old fashioned aging and the body dysmorphia that comes with getting older folks. My girlfriend and I this last weekend were talking about how it feels like just overnight all the collagen in our body has just (laughs) evaporated and now all of a sudden we see it in our neck, we see it under our arm, you know, all of a sudden what happened to the collagen in my body? It was like overnight it was gone, just Uh disappeared, right? Uh, And instead of us, you know, complimenting each other about how beautifully we think each other is aging, it's this whole, you know, jabber about how we're falling apart. There's a lady on Instagram, Silver is the New Blonde, and she's all about positive aging. And I just love her. One of these days, I want to meet her. I think she's just phenomenal. If I could grow I mean, I've got gray hair when I was 23 years old. So I've been, you know, but I color the crap out of this stuff. But if I, if my hair would look like that, oh, heck yeah, I would let it grow. But now I've got red hair. It's like ugly yellow. But anyway, she is, she is such an inspiration. But more likely when she's at home by herself at night, she's probably got a lot of her own issues too. Yeah. And this is where, you know, we, we always want to suggest that if you feel like you're going through normal levels of body dysmorphia, welcome to our club. We're we're here for you. We will help talk you off the fence anytime. But if you feel that you're at a clinical level of dysmorphia, we encourage that you get some help. If you feel like you have, you know, an eating disorder that is, you know, causing you larger mental problems like depression or pulling away from your family or things that you know are actually causing you medical harm. A lot of times uh, anorexia or bulimia can really become medical problems and address it sooner than later. It's important to talk to somebody, get some assistance. We're only talking cutting edge and we're really trying to talk or speak to, you know, the the average things that most of us are feeling. And I, I would blanket it by saying there isn't a single person in the world, male or female, who hasn't had some body dysmorphia in their life. Mm-hmm. But now when we get to that clinical place, please get help. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and you know, I was going to touch on it. I'm glad you mentioned it. Men have body and issues too. You know, we lump it all under as a woman's issue, but how many men do you know that are worried about gaining belly fat or won't, you know, you know, men are generally a little more self-confident about it, but there's a lot of guys. There's a few I know personally that like, nope, I don't swim. Yeah. I've gained too much weight in my butt, in my stomach, you know, so it's not just a woman thing. Yeah. And I think maybe men are a little bit better at compartmentalizing it. Maybe they're a little bit better at disguising it, but it's definitely still there. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Guys might also, even though they think 
like it, they may not talk about it quite like women do. So where guys might walk in the room and go, wow, he looks really good. Wish I looked that good. They don't say it out loud. Whereas girls maybe are like, oh my gosh, look at, she looks like amazing. I wish I had, you know, boobs like that or an ass like that, right? Like we we talk about it <laughs> probably more than we should. A lot of times you'll notice that guys, when they make small changes because they don't talk about it. This one guy in particular that comes to the studio now, he doesn't talk about it at all, but he's now coming to the studio all the time because he said he wants to get more fit. But every time he loses a little weight, he is so excited and mentions it. But, you know, so it is different. So, you know, be kind to the guys out too. And don't be mad at them when they skip breakfast for three days and lose eight pounds because that's just what they do. And yeah, and it's amazing how quickly <laughs> I'm like, I'm never, ever going to bet my husband, you know, to lose weight because the two of us will start out the gate and he'll lose 15 pounds in the first three weeks. And I'm still standing there going, I think I'm down too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yeah. They do. Well, and body image is closely linked to self-esteem, you know, so they really go hand in hand and helping build up your self-esteem is going to help you feel better about your body too. We'll talk about that later, but. Well, you know. and we know that's absolutely true because the minute we do see a change in scale or we do see a change in pants size, it's like, whoo, look at me. I'm something <laughs> great, you know, and yeah. yeah. Well, I've got some stats for you. Want to hear them? I do. Did you know approximately 91% of women are unhappy with their bodies and resort to dieting to achieve their ideal body shape? 91%. That's a lot, but also maybe not surprising. And only 5% of women naturally possess the body type often portrayed by Americans in the media. 5%. So not so one percent of us want to look like that probably. Uh, 91% of us are trying to make that happen, but only 5% of us are really going to be able to achieve that. And let's see, get some more for Yeah, because they don't make Barbie five foot. No, no they don't. And I- Barbie doesn't have a size five shoe either. No. 58% of college age girls feel pressured to be a certain weight. Studies show that the more reality TV a young girl watches, the more likely she is to find appearance important. You know, and this young, the younger generation, I know my daughter loves reality TV. And I'm like, why do you want to watch this? She goes, it makes me feel better about my life because I'm not as screwed up as those people are. And I'm like, okay. But it, you know, most of the reality TV people don't wear a lot of clothes, you know? So... And let's see, in a survey, more than 40% of women and about 20% of men agreed they would consider cosmetic surgery in the future. Whoa, that's a higher percentage than I would have guessed. And the statistics remain relatively constant across gender, age, marital status, and race. Isn't that huge? Yeah. Um, More than one third of people admit to normal normal dieting, roughly one fourth of those will suffer from a full on eating disorder. Yeah. Let's Students, especially women who consume consume more mainstream media, place a greater importance on sexiness and overall appearance than those who do not watch as much mainstream media. 95% of people with eating disorders are between the ages of 12 and 25. Oh, that makes me so sad. Makes me sad. It doesn't surprise me, though. It doesn't surprise me either, but it just makes me so sad. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. And only 10% of people suffering from an eating disorder will seek children. I would have thought that number might be slightly higher, but it's disappointing. People are always in denial because someone else has a problem. I I know as a personal trainer, I've worked with so many people with eating disorders and they don't realize they 
have it. Or like you say, they're in denial or they think they're in control of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got it under control. It's fine. Yep, yep, exactly. But there are some ways we can improve body image. Tell me about it. Okay. <laughs> well, we can spend time with people who have a positive outlook. So keeping that positivity because it it is it does spread. You no, know? if you are around people that are positive, you're gonna feel positive. Practice positive self-talk, like we were mentioning earlier. Instead of saying, Wow, my arms are flabby, say my arms are strong. So catch yourself, really be aware of the negative self-talk. As you know, and I know I say this way too much on podcasts, but I really do believe our minds are so powerful. What we say becomes our reality. And, you know, our body is the, we've only got this body. This is the only body we get to live in. We treat it like shit most of the time. You know, we're true to it. Yeah. Uh, something else you can do is wear comfortable clothes that look good on you. And I know a lot of times when we don't feel great about ourselves, we're like, oh, well, I'll just throw on yoga pants. Uh, or, oh, well, I'll put on that. We'll take some effort and put on something that makes you feel good about yourself. You know, try to quit comparing yourself to others because there's no one as amazing and unique as you. You're the only you in the world. And, you know, how amazing that we can all run around and do stuff. I mean, if you really think about how amazing your body is, it's friggin' phenomenal what we can do every day. And, you know, and appreciate what your body can do. Appreciate the laughing, the dancing, the creativity. Make it about just the, your appearance. You know, I'm all about positive affirmations and I talk about them a lot. One thing you can do is make a list of 10 things you like about yourself. Now, it can't be, I like my shirt, because that's not you. you. You know, write down 10 things you like about yourself and try to make those a focus instead of, you know, the negatives, the things that you don't like about yourself. Uh, right. See yourself as a whole person, not as a part. See yourself as, I'll see myself as cat instead of, I gain weight in my belly. So, I'm cat and not my belly. I'm the whole, you know, I'm the whole thing. And then do nice things for your body. Get a massage, cut your hair, go on a run, go to yoga. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Go to Kat's place or my place. Yeah, exactly. Instead of time thinking about your body, do yoga or start Mm -hmm. write journal, you know, time about body image. And some of it have turned into pieces that have been published, you know, and aim for a healthy lifestyle. You were talking earlier about, you know, growing up eating out of boxes. Well, right now you can order whole foods in most places and it's home delivery. Yeah. And people always say, well, it costs way too much to eat healthy. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. If you really truly look at the amount and quantity that you have to eat as compared to the quantity of processed food you need to eat in order to feel nourished and well. It's a battle, but I I realize that it's not always available to everybody, but at least tending towards it, like your whole diet doesn't have to be whole food, but, you know, lean towards it. You know, if you're going to stand in the grocery store and you have a choice between, you know, a thing of grapes or a bag of chips. Yeah, yeah. I mean, set yourself up for success. It's it's up to you to make the choice. Well, and you retrain your mind. Your favorite food in the whole world is, I don't know, milk chocolate. Then train yourself to like dark chocolate. Or if your favorite thing is nacho cheese Doritos, then decide that you like something else too. Try to retrain. Now, that doesn't mean you can't ever have stuff you like. Yeah. But, you know, it it doesn't have to be a nosh fest. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that if we all take responsibility for what it is we're putting in our refrigerator and our shelves, we are 
completely in charge of what we're purchasing. It is, for the most part, our choice. Now, I get it. You know, if you're a young listener and your parents are still buying groceries or whatever, but, you know, have some input. The other piece that I think it's important to, to suggest is you were talking about, you know, hanging out with people that have positive outlooks and who have positive body image. It's also important to let the people around you know when you are suffering from your body image problem and ask them to try and help you. Ask them to give you, even if your love language is not words of affirmation, it could be right now while you're going through this phase, we'll say. And so ask for people to, hey, you know, I know this is going to be outside the norm, but would you be willing to think about giving me a compliment each day? Because I'm really, really struggling right now with my body image and I can just use all the help I could get. Ask people for help. Compliments are a dime a dozen. They're simple. You look beautiful. Yeah, someone that's gone down a really hard path can always, I mean, a lot of times you don't even have to be the one to identify yourself. If you really look around, you know people in your world that really could use a compliment and don't give them just randomly, mean it. But there's, I mean, there's always something nice you can say about everyone. Maybe that's it. Instead of from the aspect of the body image, you know, the person with the dysmorphia, maybe it's just yours and my responsibility to change the world and have everybody come at it from a standpoint of, you know, what your job is to compliment everybody. And you'll notice that the more you compliment others, the more you feel better about yourself anyways. You know, it, it is amazing the times people have told you and I both, oh my gosh, when you said, whatever, pick something, it changed my whole day. And you know, I don't ever, and I know you don't either, because we're both very, we're very truthful people. I mean, I would never tell someone I thought they looked beautiful if they did, um, or that I loved that color. But you never know what, what people out there need to hear just something nice from someone. Yeah. That's it. We're going to change the world. Everybody from here on out, every person you see, offer them one compliment before you start the conversation. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Do you have some books to share with us? I do have some books and quotes. Ooh, let's get to it. All righty. This book by Deb Shapiro, Your Body Speaks Your Mind, is an incredible book. It also comes with a CD in the back about talking with your body and the body-mind appreciation. It's a fabulous book. Another one that I think anyone that struggles with body image could probably identify with is by Hilary McBride, and it's called Mothers, Daughters, and Body Image, Learning to Love Ourselves as We Are. And when I bought the book, I didn't realize what I was really buying because I, I just liked the title. I was like, oh, heck yeah, Mothers, Daughters, and Body Image, you know, and I adore my mother, but, you know, she played into my body image just like her mother played into hers. But it's a lot of just little vignettes, stories that when I've read them, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel the same way or oh my gosh that happened to me so i think that one's very cool and then the last one i have is a the body image workbook and it's by thomas f cash phd and it it is really a very good workbook it has a lot of information in it and it has a lot of things that you can uh, work through what about your quotes my quotes all right i've got three quotes and i use these a lot in my classes the first one is by Dr. Gail Dines, if tomorrow women woke up and decided they really liked their bodies, 
just think how many industries would go out of business. Can you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, we could start, you know, with makeup, yoga clothes, Botox, Mm -hmm. probably our yoga studios. I mean, we we work the mental health. We do totally. Yeah, but okay. Another one by Steve Maraboli. This and this is probably well. This is one of my two top favorite body image quotes. The first, the last one I'm saving is my favorite. This one: the scale can only give you a numerical reflection of your relationship with gravity. That's it. It cannot measure beauty, talent purpose, life force, possibility, strength, or love. True that. Love, love, love it. True that. It is just a number. And my very favorite one is by Kate Winslet. And she's talking about her daughter, Mia. As a child, I never heard one woman say to me, I love my body. Not my mother, my elder sister, my best friend. No one woman has ever said, I am so proud of my body. So I make sure to say it to Mia because a positive physical outlook has to start at an early age. True that. And I think I much because I have, it's, you know, I do now, but I spent the majority of my life never saying one single nice positive thing about my body, you know? And it's like, wow, that's it. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) And that's it, folks. Whoa. Um, I did want to mention there are a couple of websites and you might want to look up. One, the na- there is a nationaleatingdisorders.org and they have an article about how you can feel better about your body. It goes into like 10 steps on that. There's Psychology Today magazine that I mentioned. It's just www.psychologytoday.com and you can get on there and just search body image. There's also, if you look up medicalnewstoday.com, they They've got some things on positive body image. And there's a great guy. It's, it's called BreakBingeEating.com. And that's where I got all of the stats that I read off earlier. But uh, I thought those were all uh, pretty good websites to check out. www.dosomething.org. And it is a positive body image website also. Cool. Look at us with the resources. There you go. There you go, folks. It's just like this. Say something nice to people around you, mm-hmm. compliment them up, and eventually it's going to come back around full circle. Yeah. And look in the mirror and see the things you love about yourself, not the things that you want to change. Because we're all here just getting, you know, getting through our days the best way we can. And we're so freaking blessed, you know, and we're so strong and healthy. Everyone has something wonderful they can find about themselves. Yeah. Ultimately, the lesson is, is that remember your true happiness comes from inside. Doesn't matter the body you're in. Just a shell. Just a shell. Perfect. I'm Kat Kahn. And I'm Tanya Rice. And this is Two Pittas on a Pod signing off. Thank you for listening to Two Pittas on a Pod. We're grateful you joined us. Join us again for more musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learned, laughed, and enjoyed this podcast. And we hope you will share your comments or questions. Email us at twopittasonapod at gmail.com. And like us on Facebook and Instagram at twopittasonapod.